Yes. Just waiting for you to get situated. Good. You're um, recording, aren't you? Yep. <laughs> I recorded the second you opened your book, and then you flipped one by one through your pages. And that's until what I thought you, found you, the right. I thought you did. have to edit that it's cute i like it um Uh, welcome (laughs) to our first episode of our crazy idea of whatever we're doing who knows well i know we're sitting in the floor of my bedroom recording a podcast right now you're listening uh at home or in your car i don't know in your dormitory where you are in your dormitory (laughs) for all the gory dead time stories you, and that's where that's going to stop today. You brought it back around. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the first episode of Dead Time Stories. Um, once again, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And we are two fabulous ladies coming to you from the magnificent old uh, American city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, home of, well, America, when I already said that part. The Eagles. The Eagles. Uh, this year's winners Super of the Super Bowl. Super Bowl champs. Um, Hoogies. Mm, Wawa, Wawa. Water, uh, water ice, Schuylkill River. Um, that was weird. That and came out real weird. That's how they say it, though. Mm. And um, a whole lot of some spooky shit. And yes. <laughs> we are two fabulous ladies from two different southern states, making our way some fish out of water stories, if you will, um, in yes. Philadelphia. And we share a passion for many things, uh, including podcasting and media and theater. And some fucking spooky, spectacular, just weird, unexplainable, supernatural stuff, paranormal stuff. So we decided to get together and record a podcast because we're pretty entertaining. I like to think only to ourselves. Um, even if only to ourselves, that's enough for me and for our own personal amusement, but hopefully also yours. We've decided to uh, come together and talk about some of these things. And see if other people like them as uh, much as we do. <laughs> I mean, I know people like paranormal stuff, but we'll see if they like listening to us talk about paranormal stuff as much as we like listening to ourselves talk about paranormal stuff. That's fair enough. Because, to be honest, we did record kind of an entire episode that got lost before we just... But it was kind of like a trial run kind of thing. But here we are, making the real thing. No one's going to ever hear it. And, um... You know what? That's fine because it's all about the journey. That's true. But I feel like um, before we dive into what each of us is going to talk about today, because what we did was we both decided to take, I don't know, some sort of Philly-esque story, research it on our own, and then bring it to each other and tell each other. And so we're both going to be kind of surprised by what we're going to hear from each other. But I also feel like, you know, Stephanie laid the groundwork for who we are. But how are, you know, we've had a good day. How are you doing today? I feel like, I mean, it's a We're day. having, like, a really good day. I feel like for our first podcast. We have. We're recording on April Fool's. It's not a joke, but, like, we're having a really nice day. I know. Um, it's not a joke. We are for real <laughs> recording this today. 
Um, Who knows when it'll get released, but now you guys know. But you know, from what? whatever date he gets released, that it took us this long to get it released. It's, it's, it's true. Since, since um, so like, there's that part that it's a joke, but also, <laughs> um, it's a great day to start because not only is it April Fool's Day, but it is Zombie Jesus Day. And zombies about some paranormal shit right are there. fucking paranormal and weird, and they. Can... Oh, I meant Jesus. Oh, that too. <laughs> <laughs> Sacrilicious. So there that was another. That was a potential, that was a potential name. A potential the name for the show. Let us know what you think. Should we change it? We're not going. We're to. not we going to. We're we're pretty married to this. To this. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, zombies are uh, not a thing that we're on the list today, but just a quick mention because you know Americanized. We think of zombies in this like we think zombies are going to happen via some sort of like virus. And uh, that makes sense scientifically, but I'm also, um, I'm a quarter Haitian, so I like my zombies to come from voodoo, and that's a little more supernatural, it's a little more in my vein, a little that's more witch doctor. Episode. I know, just I bringing know. it up, <laughs> just right, throwing I'll, it out there. I'll write it down. Zombies are relevant because of today, because it's, it's zombie Jesus day, it's the day he, he came back and walked the dead and fed on brains. And April Fool's! JK! But yeah, so that was I was just bringing it around. <laughs> Circling it back. Um, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Um, so my story's really short. Okay. Is yours really long? Mine's, I don't know what it would be. I wouldn't say long, but mine is mine is also like a little bit. Yeah, I was like, mine's a bit longer. Like, I have, have a little. Lot of stuff. I have a little short thing to talk about as well. Um, but my short thing I can bring up at the end too. I've done less research on it, but it's a thing I've known about for longer. Okay. Um, well, let me write down this thing about voodoo because if I don't, then we won't remember that that's something we're going to want to talk about later. Oh, I'll always remember I want to talk about voodoo. (sighs) All right. Well, fine then. Fuck my drag, right? Okay. So not to just totally lay out (laughs) in the first episode, tell everyone exactly where we live in Philadelphia, but the place that I am talking about and that I researched is going to take place like right down the street. (laughs) (laughs) I like that even more. I like that even more knowing that it's like not just Philadelphia local. It is local to our neighborhood. It's in our neighborhood. That's cool. Um, so if this blows up or if people get stalkery, it'll actually probably happen after we move from here, but. So that's, that's okay. um, This is the cute little story of an estate known as Grumblethorpe. That's, that's the name of a place. It's a house. The it's like house? an estate here. Wow. Well, because I saw the note that you had Grumblethorpe, and I was like, ooh, I'm going to hear about this Grumblethorpe monster. Like, I assumed it was- Girl, I wish, but I, I picked it because it does it. I'm the Grumblethorpe. Right, exactly. I thought Grumblethorpe was going to be like a Rumpelstiltskin-esque oh, kind of character, but please, tell me about Grumblethorpe. It makes this story sound not as- a little underwhelming. As, but, I'm yeah, sorry. Little, now that we set it up that it's going to be this, like, awesome Tell beast. me about the Grumblethorpe um, Manor. <laughs> Uh, Grumblethorpe Estate. Uh, no, anyways. I did pick it strictly because of the name and strictly because of the fact that it's right down the street from us, which I thought was pretty cool. But Grumblethorpe was built in 1744, so it's got, like, 200... 1744. That's, like, 32 years before we officially became a a country. Yes, and that ties into this. Look at you. Stephanie knows her history. Um, so it was built by this guy named John Wister. I wanted Uh, his name to be John Grumblethorpe. (laughs) I don't even know. They don't even explain where they get Grumblethorpe from. It's just completely random. Wow. It's just, I, maybe. It's like Schuylkill. Yeah, right? Who came up with that shit? At least this I can 
pronounce it phonetically by the way it's spelled. Schuylkill is Schuylkill. We can't even. It doesn't make any sense. All right, so back to Grumblethorpe. John Wister was a wine merchant, and he built it as his summer home because they had their other house in Center City, in okay. the city. And they were wine merchants. And I just love that he was a wine merchant, and he was doing very well for himself because who doesn't like wine? So it's claim to fame, and, like, the biggest thing that's, you know, it's historic, you know, influence is that it was used as a headquarters during the Revolutionary War, during the Battle of Germantown. Oh! So now everyone knows we're in the Germantown neighborhood. District of yeah. Philadelphia. Um, and there was a big battle here that happened during the Revolutionary War, which I was not aware of until I moved here. And battle then I was of like, Yeah, no. No. <laughs> the battle of Germantown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but goddamn, I wish it was called the Battle of Grumblethorpe. <laughs> <laughs> no, Battle of Germantown. Um, but it was used as a headquarters for the British general, James oh. Agnew. I know, right? Playing for the bad guys. Um, but during this battle, the general was shot, and he was taken back to the house where he bled out in the parlor. And cried, oh, my Grumblethorpe! That's where the name That's came from. That's where they called it that. No, he actually cried out, Thorpe. Um, and he, they just said, oh, he grumbled He let out, yeah, I was going to say, he let out what they at the time would have called a grumble fart. <laughs> we just call it a fart. <laughs> <laughs> call it a death rattle. That, like, <laughs> noise that a dead people make. grumble Thorpe. <laughs> he, that man let out a grumble Thorpe. <laughs> this word is now going to become an everyday part of my vocabulary in this house. I know, I hope so. Uh, if people are listening to this, please, hashtag grumble Thorpe. That might be our new podcast name. It won't. But (laughs) (laughs) I just got really excited about that possibility. So anyways, um, the I almost said the cool thing about this. The cool thing about this guy bleeding out in this parlor and dying. (laughs) Real slow like. Real cool. Um, is that his blood stain is still on the wood and it's still visible there. What? Uh, you can still see it today. And and his yeah. So he bled out there and I guess they didn't really clean it up. I don't know history, but there, you can still see it. There's a picture on the internet that I saw. So this and um, you, this house is still here. Is it like a? Do you like do so? Yeah. Is it so like a historic site. So let me get to that in a minute. We'll okay. get to where oh, this sorry, house is. Sorry. Today. No, you're good. I just want to do like the history, so we can take with it. So the big thing is that this British general used it as headquarters and then died there, and his blood stain was there, and then that's done. Um, and then apparently there's a big yellow fever outbreak that happened in this area, uh, in the, you know, during history. So the family holed themselves up and were able to use their estate as like, um, what am I thinking of? Um, where Collateral? You, no, where you can keep yourself separate. A containment, quarantine. Quarantine? Where like out keep, of sickness? Yeah. Then yeah, that's a quarantine. keep themselves separate. From the sickness. Yeah. Um, so to get into some of the hauntings, one thing is that happened to the family, and I think they found out because through word of mouth and then one of the girls wrote about it, was apparently one night during this yellow fever outbreak, the two girls of the family, the Wister girls, um, were asleep in their bed, and they woke up and saw this figure at the foot of their bed. And apparently it was the figure of their housekeeper, Justinia. And normally, of course, you're like, oh, you know, our housekeeper's sitting, you know, she's in our room. Cool. Whatever, right. But she wasn't at Grumblethorpe. She was at Center City. She wasn't in their house at all. So these girls woke up, they saw her there, and they were like, 
what? Um, Just and, in the year in Center City. What you doing here? Right? Girl, come on, Grumblethorpe. Um, <laughs> Get out of Grumblethorpe. Uh, you Grumblethorpe and be kidding me. That was a stretch. I'm taking come that Come on, out. Grumblethorpe. So, yeah, they saw her. And then, of course, the next morning, the family found out that, that she wasn't Justinia there. She was just, yeah. died ah! that night. Ah! <laughs> I, th- I thought you were on board with where that was going to go. And you were genuinely. Yeah, girl, no, she died. She died. She died during the night, and those girls saw her at the her foot of their bed, bed because, you know, Checking I'm Checking sure on them before she passed on. She's just doing her job. Oh, she's right. real sweet. Sure. She's um, like, I got unfinished business to check on my wards. I gotta check on these girls. Let them know. Hey, ladies, I'm leaving. Indefinitely. <laughs> Indefinitely. <laughs> sure, sure. Fair enough. Um... So they had that experience with her, and then now it can be said that at times you can smell like freshly baked bread in the house, and they say that that's Justinia's spirit, because she used to like to bake bread and things like that. And then taking it back to Mr. Agnew, uh, who bled to death on the parlor and Mm -hmm. left a stain that cannot ever be removed from that house. Um, It is said that people have seen like a black mist come up from, from the blood yeah and okay. then like move around the house Ooh. and the biggest thing that a lot of people say is that if you stand on that spot on the anniversary of his death you can hear him moaning oh to fuck with that um it's, so so basically yeah. what you're saying is you want to go there and sit right on top of that black spot with a ouija board no that's not <laughs> you those call words didn't come out of my um, house at all i also kind of think it's weird that like that dude died in the house was that their dad or no. was that a different fa- like a different person generations That's later? A, no. So they, the family built it, and then when the Revolutionary War happened, this British general came in and used it as his headquarters. Gotcha. So you know how they used to come in and just be like, hey, like we're, we're, we're using your house. house. We're, yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. We're commandeering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Well, they think that I've had another house in the city, so they were fine. Gotcha. Um, so he used it during I was just kind of like, so that dude died in the house, but the ghost of the fucking housekeeper who died in their other house haunts that house? Yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> Not so much the dude who died there, but also the dude who died there, his mist comes up and does some shit. Yeah. So, taking it back to your question of, like, what is it doing now, it is still, like, open and open to the public, and they still host events and things like that. So, several staff have experienced activity, and they've seen things, and some people say that they see figures or eyes looking back at them in the dining room mirror which is like a common ghostly occurrence yeah and then um the educational director reported seeing and this was crazy i looked and i was just like this this is just a really weird uh haunting or like thing to see she said she just saw a black shape low to the ground spinning very quickly Mm. moving from the dining room to the parlor and all i can imagine is like a fidget spinner just like <laughs> Spinning through the air, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? See, I imagined like a tiny little black hurricane. <laughs> like, just of its own volition, like swirling. Uh, they call it a Grumblethorpe. <laughs> they do. They they do now, girl. <laughs> I saw that Grumblethorpe go to, from room to room, just a spinning around. <laughs> and when I saw that Grumblethorpe, I Grumblethorped my pants a little bit. <laughs> I Grumblethorped a little bit in my mouth. <laughs> Um, 
<laughs> we're the only ones who are going to find this so funny. Um, so can you, so it's a historic site. Can you go take so, tours? Do they do like yes. a haunted house on Halloween or anything? So you're going to like this. So yeah. So they'll still host different events and I didn't get a chance to get like directly on their website because I wanted to get a lot of history and like firsthand accounts. Okay. But they'll do like occasional farmer's markets and then- Farmer's every- markets. <laughs> 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 sure, sure. Okay. And, uh, you know, because it's still Germantown, and we love to do that kind of shit here. We do. We love our farmer's markets. And um, they also, you know how every year they're going to, they do like the Battle of Germantown Festival or whatever mm-hmm, that they do mm-hmm. down there. They'll do a reenactment at the house, and then there's an after party at Grumblethorpe, because it's a big estate. Yeah. Um, but then they also will do ghost tours, like the ghost tours that are in Philadelphia will host events there. And one thing, they haven't done it in years, but they did it for a few years in like 2012 to 2014 or 15, and it was called Witches Night Out. Oh, I'm so and they, right. And they went that. there and they said like 80 people show up, you do a tour of the house, you hear the history, and then you take some equipment and you get to go explore oh, and yes. stuff like that. Oh, yeah, which yeah. I thought was really cool. So I had, I didn't get a chance to look and see if they were still really doing stuff actively around, but you know, it's just right down the street. Like we could take Snoopy on a walk. Is that over, do you know exactly where it is? Is it over on of like Walnut in Germantown? Do you know? Girl, uh, I don't, but you know what I do have? I got a computer in my hand. You sure do. You're going to Google it right now. I am. Yeah, so, yeah. So, it's it's on the other side of Chelton Avenue, so it's maybe, I want to say, what? This doesn't tell me how far it is for me. Maybe it's like a mile and a half from us. Not even. Not even, yeah. That's not far. Yeah. Dang. So, it's close, and it apparently has these, like, few little baby ghosts. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. I'd be interested to go and see it. I don't know if you know, from my experience, I'm like, there's not, like, crazy activity here or anything like that, but it was really cool because it's in Philly, and it's called Grumblethorpe, so that's the story of Grumblethorpe. I love it. Hooray! Grumblethorpe! I'm going to give you a little applause. Thank you. I like that. I like that a lot. Thank you. Uh, so what I researched to talk about today, uh, is the history of the Eastern State Penitentiary. Uh, so Eastern State Penitentiary is here in Philadelphia, and I have a lot of notes on it. Well, I'd hope so. There's a shit ton of history with that fucking place. So there is. So it opened in 1829 and it closed in 1971. And it is considered one of the most haunted places in America. Uh, and that's scary already. <laughs> there are a total of uh, over 70,000 people that passed through, that stayed through there uh, at one time or another in the 142 years that it was open. So hauntings have been reported there um, by inmates, by visitors and staff and guards, and they had been corroborated since the 1940s. So that's when people first started to say that they saw ghosts and stuff happening there. But a little bit about the history of the prison itself when it was still open. So it was considered uh, the first penitentiary in the world, a penitentiary versus a prison. So the point of the penitentiary versus a regular prison right is penitence so it was kind of formed like by the church uh, it was a quaker inspired prison Duh. which is so crazy <laughs> to me on so many levels we uh their quakers are a big deal around here there are a lot of quakers yeah. uh and quakers are from what i've thought pretty dope but this was also a long time ago when people made mistakes and didn't <laughs> understand a lot about mental illness um oh, yeah. and that kind of stuff and you know religion uh it wasn't really about the punishment but per se as so much as the rehabilitation which is really scary so the things that people were put through there were really kind of torturous um so they used an ice bath which a lot of people 
are familiar with, right? So they put people in cold baths with ice in it and would freeze them. Um, what they called the mad chair. The mad chair was an instrument that strapped people down and basically cut off their circulation in their limbs, sometimes to the point where they had to be amputated. They used what was called an iron gag, where they would tie people's hands behind their back to a metal collar that was also attached to their tongue so that if they moved, they would tear their tongue. Uh, and they used something called the hole, which is the first really... Um, the word I'm looking for. Solitary confinement. First, like, documented, right. The first, like, documented known use of solitary confinement was, was what they called the hole. And it wasn't just solitary confinement. So you're not just alone, but you were alone uh, in a dark underground room with no light and no toilet, uh, no people, nothing to do. And that was how they kept you. And most of the, most of these, like, really awful things that they did to people were, uh, for communication infractions. So the patients weren't, or patients, I say patients, but the inmates weren't supposed to like talk to each other. And when they would move people from room to room, they would put these masks over their faces so that they couldn't see each other or communicate with each other at all. So usually when people were in trouble, it was for talking to each other. And those are the really awful ways that they punished them. Didn't they also, and correct me for this, I just, I love Eastern State and I've been there. Didn't they also have it to where they didn't have like a group outside area your outside area was attached to your cell and you could only be in your tiny little foot of outside daylight area and then you were back in your cell and you were totally kept away from everyone so they didn't have outside areas in their cell they each had skylights and that's a thing that i have written about in here as well yeah but each cell had a skylight and that was considered a window to view god so the reason that they had skylights wasn't even really like so they could get some outside it was so that you know God could see them. I was like, yeah, I've got a picture of one of those cells. I don't know if you looked at any of them online. But I sure it's did. Incredibly claustrophobic. It's terrifying. But it's also beautiful because now the whole place is like slightly in ruin, but also slightly kept up because it is used as a museum and, of course, like a fucking haunted house. It was uh, so it was originally built to resemble a church, and cells each had a Bible and a skylight to represent the eye of God. Um, Solitary, as you can imagine, we talked about the whole and the way that that was set up, drove people crazy. What? And, no. and we've talked about, um, you and I have talked about this, it was on our recording that we weren't able to use, so I'll bring it back up here, talking about kind of ghosts versus poltergeists, right? Yes. So ghosts, a lot of time, from what we understand, are like the spirit, like the, the actual like essence, the life essence of someone kind of left essence. behind of a being. Yes. That's Dark <laughs> yes, Crystal. Yes, I know, Dark Crystal. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> that versus a poltergeist, which is kind of like a place where something really awful happened and there's such a like terrible energy Just force left behind, negative um, that a negative yeah. kind of energy and, and, um, Just there to and events, right. Shit and kind of repeat and fuck shit up like over and over again. Right. So, you know, it could be a combination of any of those things for Eastern state penitentiary. A lot of really, really awful things, uh, happened there. And so ultimately, um, they, like I said, started out as, like, this kind of uh, place for rehabilitation. And originally, the kind of people that were kept there were uh, what were called, this is, this is in quotes, I thought this was really good, horse thieves and pickpockets from when this place was originally created to ultimately what became a maximum security prison. 
And uh, prior to reform, like prison reform in 1912, there was at one point 1,700 prisoners in that space, which was built for 250 people. Of course there was, because we love overcrowding in our prisons in We America. sure do, and we still do. That's still a thing. I was like, that's still a problem. Today, um, which I will bring that up as well. So hauntings in this place hit me with it so the place had been open for a while like we said we opened in 1829 so it was in the 1940s that people started to uh, talk about hauntings and experiencing things in the place so it all started with the locksmith have you heard about this no there was a locksmith who was in the the penitentiary and he removed a 140 year old lock in cell block four After he removed the lock, he was overcome by a massive force that rendered him immobile, believed to have been released spirits by opening the gateway to the horrific past. He began an out-of-body experience uh, that began to drain negative energy out of the room, which burst open from the cell. He He saw, quote, anguished faces that appeared on the walls. Hundreds of distorted forms swirled around him and left the cell block. So that was the... So he had, like, some crazy, like, movie experience, like, fucking... He opened the Ark of the Covenant. Yes. And his face just miraculously didn't melt Um, off. He didn't die, but he went on to tell people about these horrible things that he saw. That was the first report of that kind of shit happening, and then it continued on throughout that. So who played with a Ouija board before this happened? (laughs) (laughs) The locksmith. God uh, damn it, locksmith. In cell block four. So, what are uh, do can, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you go right I have ahead. A question: Yes, do you, is there any historic significance for Cell Block Four? Was that anything beforehand that might have you know? For not a while, that the I spirits were not that I know of. That's just where everything started because that's where the the lock was changed. Lock um, that's all I I understand. Each there are three. Uh, the whole place is supposed to be haunted, but there are three cell blocks in particular that are considered the most haunted cell blocks of Eastern State Penitentiary, and they each have a different thing kind of going on. In cell block 12, a lot of people have uh, reported hearing echoing voices and cackling. In cell block 6, people have seen shadowy figures darting across the walls. And in cell block 4, which is considered the most haunted cell block, and that's where the locksmith was, um, visions of ghostly faces, silhouettes of a guard in the tower, footsteps, wails, whispers, weeping, and even giggling. Um, so are these cell blocks at all open or part of the tour you can do now? And can we go next weekend? Cause the weather's supposed to be nice. Yes. And maybe. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if those are any of the blocks that me and my mom went down. But um, we just did the whole place, and I was just so... There's so much. It's kind of overwhelming. And did you go, like, for, like, a tour? Or you uh, you and no. your mom didn't go to Terror Behind Walls? No. We went during the daytime for a tour. We did the right. audio-guided Like, the tour. audio-guided tour. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Because I would love to do both. And I'll talk about Terror Behind Walls I in just know. a little bit. I don't want to do Terror Behind Walls. You don't want to do Terror Behind no, Walls? No, I don't. Oh. No, and we'll talk we'll, about we'll that. Get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. I'm actually surprised to hear that. But we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So Al Capone stayed at the Eastern State Penitentiary for eight months uh, between 1929 and 1930 for, uh, actually just for, for uh, charge of illegal weapon possession is why he ultimately spent time there. But he claimed to be tormented by the ghost of Jimmy Clark, who was one of the men that he killed at the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. 
Um, and guards reported, uh, reported hearing him screaming and like screaming at the ghost and, and like telling him, get away from me. Like, Nope, being like terrified. he brought it on himself. I feel, uh, I feel, I don't feel bad for him. Oh, I'm not telling you feel bad for him. <laughs> oh, no, I was saying, that's what happened. Just like, hey, that's a celebrity that was there. Um, so there's that. So now we move to today, um, where today it's a historic site. The place was shut down as a prison in 1971. It is open today. They do tours, and during the Halloween season, they do an event, uh, what they call a haunted attraction called Terror Behind Walls. Um, I feel like you have to be under a rock to not know what Terror Behind the Walls. Is. I didn't know much about it. Really? Bef- it's like before one of I read the about number it. one. Like, and that's true. It's one. It's the number houses. one haunted attraction, is what yeah, they call like it in America. Um, in America. So, Terror Behind Walls actually brings in sixty percent of Eastern State Penitentiary's overall revenue for the year. But <laughs> what I what I liked reading about Terror Behind Walls is I feel like I learned a little bit about the because I feel like it was kind of hokey for what it is. But when you hear a little bit about, like, the integrity of, of the people that work there and kind of the yeah. institution itself, it's actually really, like, interesting. It's super theatrical. Um, so it is what they refer to as a necessary evil. They really like doing their daytime tours. Um, the workers don't like perpetuating the haunted stereotype of the Eastern State Penitentiary because the reality of the situation is some really awful things happened there to real people. And so Terror Behind Walls, the staff, uh, t- they bring on uh, usually like a cast of up to like 200 actors in full costume and full makeup, um, participating as ghouls or, you know, what have you in a haunted attraction at Terror Behind Walls. The chair actors never wear Eastern State Penitentiary uniforms or reenact real terrible events that took place to any real inmates in uh, the penitentiary. It's the biggest haunted attraction outside of any theme park that you can go to uh, in the United States. And what they say is that it's as scary as you want it to be. There are two ways that you can go through it where you can tell them, you can put your hands on me, you can mess with me as much as possible, or you can tell them, like, don't put your hands on me, but you can, like, jump out and scare me. Um, (laughs) And I don't like either of those things. (laughs) Basically, they put on what they call a tracking collar, which is just a, it's a glow stick necklace so Mm -hmm. that they can spot you out. Uh, in the crowd, and if you have one of those on, then they might grab you and separate you from your friends. No, um, fuck that. No, might, right? They might. No, I'll, like, I'll pee. Right, right. Uh, and if at any time it's too much for you, you can just take off the tracking necklace, and no one will continue to torment you okay. in that way. Um, so there's the, so there's that. But the staff takes the history of the place very, very seriously, which is why they really don't like to perpetuate, like, that kind of thing year-round, and they really don't like to perpetuate the idea that it is haunted. They're like, it's an event, this is a thing that happened here. And keeping with that, their mission is Eastern State Penitentiary's historic site interprets the legacy of American criminal justice reform from the nation's funding through the present day, or the nation's founding, excuse me, through the present day within the long abandoned cell blocks of the nation's most historic prison. Um, I think it's really cool that they continue that mission of prison reform. Uh, and that's a big focus of what they do there. I think that that's really cool. Uh, and it says, I like the why of this as well. Why? Eastern State Penitentiary's innovative preservation, interpretation, and public programs will move visitors to engage in a dialogue and deepen the national conversation about criminal justice. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the so like I was saying, the um, site itself is amazing and it's great for tourism. My mom and I had the chance of going through it because I've had my eye on Eastern State Penitentiary before I moved to Philadelphia. <laughs> so Ghost Hunters. Um, yes, I know. Ghost Hunters. <laughs> I, well, I also in doing my research. Did I, you come across that footage? I didn't watch it yet because it was like a whole it was like a whole episode, and I was like, well, I'm not trying to watch a whole episode. I watched other like videos of people. Yeah. staying there and doing stuff there and they're like this place is curious rocket creepy yeah so ghost hunters did a really great episode and i'm gonna make a note to link because there's a way to link to just that footage of what they caught which is really great so i'll make sure to link that in the show notes um because it's fucking crazy and i wish i would have thought to pull it up but what it is is ghost hunters went there and in one of the cell blocks they catch a fucking shadow figure running to the camera and then back away <gasps> oh and it's so fast and it's terrifying. So I and that happened there, and I've been I've been fascinated with that place ever since I saw that episode, and that was when I still lived in Texas. So I came and I visited, and taking it back to the prison reform, when you go there and you go through it, they do a lot of their focus and everything in like the markers, etc., is talking a lot about prison reform, and they have cr- different things that show you just how crazy. America's prison system is compared to everywhere else. Mm-hmm. How many people we have incarcerated compared to every other country. Mm-hmm. And it's just ridiculous. It's, nuts. it's, it's absolutely, absolutely crazy. nuts. And the aura and the energy, I would love to go there with you. And I also just want to go back because they just recently opened their hospital wing. And mm. the hospital wing was not, it was only open one room for a like every two hour. You could go in and have a little guided tour. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't open yet, but now it's open. I'd love to go see that. So yeah, that place is definitely, there's spirits and there's some shit going on. I took a whole bunch of pictures while I was there, but I didn't capture anything other than like really cool pictures of this place. But it's amazing. They do push a lot on prison reform and it's really informative on that side. And I think that is really cool that they're talking about it because it was the first, the first um, organized penitentiary in America. Yeah. I, I like that. I, so like I said, I haven't watched that Ghost Hunters thing episode. I'm going to show you when this is but done. But the thing that you just told me is the same. It's so scary because it's. I was just about to say something along that same line. So I believe that that's Cellbox 12, the upstairs of Cellbox 12, the thing that you're talking about. Yeah, specifically okay. because, so one of the things that I watched was, I will look up this girl's YouTube name later, but this girl was there and she interviewed... Um, the creative director of Terror Behind Walls, her name is Amy Holloman. Um, and Amy Holloman talked about how she really kind of believed into that when she heard, um, she'd been working there for years. And one year someone was like, I'm not working the upstairs of cell block 12 anymore. She was like, why? And the person told her because I saw what looked like a screaming woman coming straight at no, me no, out of the darkness. No, oh my God, and then she no. turned around and flew back. No. Right. And <sighs> she was like, right. And she's like, cool, I'm not putting you up there anymore. Then three years later, a different person who never met that person was like, I'm never working in the upstairs of cell block 12 again. And she was like, why? And this person said, because I saw a banshee coming at me and then turn around screaming and flying the other way and she was like these two people used very different language to tell me that they saw the same exact thing in that place and when you said that thing about the ghost hunters i'm like that's what they saw they saw that same thing it must we're gonna watch that video and i'm gonna tell you it's the upstairs of cell block 12 and i'm gonna freak the hell out so i 
it's you giving me that image of a screaming woman scares the shit out of me because I'll let you know this figure is like as high as the railing like child height and there's no discernible and it's just like a black mass mm -hmm. but it just runs and then runs back away and it's just so fast that yeah. it can't be a but uh, oh my god the image of like a screaming one like, shrieking coming, with coming crazy at you eyes. out of the darkness oh Sarah <laughs> 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 I'm like just thinking of it I know we're both just so upset right now and the sunlight is still out it's not even dark we're not even recording this at nighttime. <laughs> I know and I'm still like so worked out and terrified <laughs> so um on that same note too because of the zombie job that I worked at I had a lot of employees who also worked for Terror Behind the Walls, mm -hmm. and I had multiple employees come and tell me about shadow people that they, that saw, they saw working in that. that they, oh, and no. one guy who worked there, I think he still works there, he's on like three or four years with them every season, and he was like, you get to the point where you're like, was that a shadow person? Yep. Okay. Like, that's, that's no, what that was. And no, you just sort of no, move past oh, it. No. You'll, you know, you walk past an empty cell block and you see a shadow out of the corner of your eye no. and you look and then there's nothing there. No, absolutely like, not. Right, absolutely not. Absolutely That's what this not. is. And that's kind of the feeling you get walking around the place, too, is you just have an energy of just like, could I maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just in my head. Did I? No, it's just in my head. But like, the whole, oh, my God. I've been wanting to go back for a while, and now that the weather's nice, I'm like, that would be something I would love to do with you, because I could go and spend hours there looking at everything. Ugh. And it's so cool. <laughs> oh, crying. Oh um, yeah, so I'll show you that video, and then I'll make sure to, I'll link it in our show notes. So mm -hmm. if you're listening, go check out our, hopefully made at this point, website, <laughs> uh, Twitter, and Instagram, and we'll post links to all that info. Yeah, we will. And maybe a picture of Grumblethorpe. <laughs> <laughs> Who is not a being, but it's a It's not place. a being. It's a place. Not. So those are both of our stories. I feel like we have a lot of ideas for what we want to keep talking about in the podcast. I do. Um, but I, I have one more thing that we can touch on today uh, um, that is still very similarly related to uh, what we were talking about. I don't have notes on it. Um, it's just a thing that I know a little bit about and kind of refreshed my memory um, with Wikipedia, which I can pull back open as well. But... Um, that is the, it's not really a story, but like the story of, uh, of Mary Gerard, also known as Mary Lum, um, because that is a Philadelphia story, um, and you're making a face that makes me like, laugh because I know I brought it up to you before. I was um, like, yeah, it sounds familiar, but I feel like this is, it's all going to be like I have, it's a so new it's, story. So it sounds familiar because it's the name of a play, which is The Insanity of Mary Gerard. There and our good friend Mary Angela, who um, often goes, you know, some people call her Mary, um, but her name's Mary Angela, and her middle name is Gerard, so she's kind of obsessed with the story of Mary Gerard, because she is, you know, she's like, I'm Mary Gerard. Um, so Mary a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess it depends on how you look at it. Uh, so it's also, a, there's a play called The Insanity of Mary Gerard, based on the real life story of a woman named Mary Lum. Uh, well, Lum was her made a name. Gerard was her last name. She was married to Stephen Gerard, who was a financier and a philanthropist in Philadelphia. And they were married, I want to say when she was like, you know, 16, 18. She was 10 years younger than him. They were together for probably like uh, about five or six years. And she uh, never got pregnant. And then she got pregnant and was put into the mental institution in the bottom of the Philadelphia hospital. Why? Um, why? Did she read a book? So, great question. <laughs> that's, so that's the, the, that to this day is still 
um, kind of debated on whether or not she was actually crazy or if her husband put her away because he didn't want her anymore, because she was pregnant possibly by another person, because of many things. So was she really crazy or did her husband put her away for some sort of punishment at the time, which was totally doable? And the answer is no one is really sure in this day and age. Either answer is very plausible, Um, especially with mental illness being so poorly understood at the time. She had what was considered the best care, but I use quotation figures, um, of the time because this being the 17 her 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 hers, um, (laughs) the care uh, was not great. Yeah. She was uh, born in 1758. In 1776, the country that we became, uh, the country, the year that we became country we uh, started throwing women in insane right asylums. uh she was 18 and that's when she was married to steven gerard Jesus, um, 18 and she got thrown into a well that's when she got married oh, okay. um, it was in 1785 uh that she started to uh exhibit what they call prolonged periods of uncontrollable emotional outbursts <laughs> Correct. So, was she crazy or was she mad at her husband because he was being shitty and then he locked her up? Who's to say? Um, at the time, that was considered crazy. So, it was in 1790 that she was committed to the insanity ward of the Pennsylvania Hospital. Um, and at the time, that was Philadelphia's only institution for the insane, uh, citing that she was, quote, an incurable lunatic. Um, at the time that she was put away, she was pregnant. Um, she had her baby... In the hospital, I think the baby died about five months in, and she... Five months after birth? Five months after birth. Oh, okay. Yep, five months after birth. Damn. Um, Like we said, she was put in in 1790. Uh, She lived in the hospital in the insanity ward for 25 years until she died in 1815, the age of 56 years old. Yes, she was a real person. Um, she It says she was afforded the best care that could be provided at the time despite the difficulty in understanding and treating the illness that plagued her. In accordance with her husband's wishes, this is the really fucked up part, this is what her husband wished for. In accordance with her husband's wishes, Mary Lum Gerard was laid to rest on the grounds of the Pennsylvania Hospital, her gravesite unmarked and unadorned. So that what a fucking sack of shit. Definitely leads to the theory that he was putting her away to get rid of her because when she died he was like just put her in an unmarked grave and nobody cares nobody cares right oh um my god yeah so the play the insanity of mary gerard is about her um and her time in the insanity ward and is she crazy or is mm-hmm. she being put here by her husband nobody really knows it can be argued there's no record. right there's no i mean there are tons of records but at the time like her husband saying she's crazy, put her away, is enough to justify having done those things. Yeah. But, I mean, was there, are there any records of, like, what was happening to her while she was in the insane Nothing asylum? other than, like, we they took really good care of her. That was it. <laughs> like, right, exactly. Not enough to keep the baby alive. Right, exactly. Like, how great, I mean, enough for her to live 25 years, but, like, what was that life really like? Um, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, quite literally. And, uh, also like, was it? Um, so that's a real thing that happened. There's a play based on it. The insanity of Mary Gerard. That is a Philadelphia story. Um, and our good friend, Mary Angela, uh, has directed that play 
three or four times. Oh, wow. Um, I was in it the last time she did it, and she said that she was so pleased with it, that was the last time she was going to do it. But lately, especially now living in Philadelphia, she's, she's like, talking about doing, doing it again. Yes. Do you hear your cat right now? I do. Um, don't be creeped out, everybody. That now is not meowing. a ghost. Now he's meowing. That is my uh, my cat, my familiar, if you will, at the door, uh, scratching and crying for attention, the way yeah. cats do. This is just our first episode, but you'll be hearing a lot about the animals, Xander and Snoopy, that live in this house, it's and too... you'll you'll hear them. You like, will. Xander's you'll hear little down. claws and paws and precious little sounds. He's making his presence known to us. He's, he's uh, doing the call of his people. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess this is as good a place as any to wrap up and say we talked about a lot of ghosts today. We did. We talked about ghosts. We talked about prison reform and mental illness and, and Philadelphia and Grumblethorpe. This is our first episode, so please download and listen to the other two episodes that we are going to have released now as well. And if you've made it this far, thank you. Um, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Um, any, Instagram. yes, Instagram, I was going to say any of the other links that you see in the description for our social media, which we have definitely started working on and have made at this point. We didn't point just this, record we didn't first. just talk about it and then, uh, talk about it with uncertainty because it wasn't done yet. Assuming that we would do it. This is how we're going to, people are going to hold us accountable and I won't be checking all of our social media once it's made every day to see how many people are interacting with us. I will. Um, I mean, you will too. I, I know, know we're, we're lying. We're being modest. I will do that. Absolutely every day. Please, please like us. Talk please to us. Please like us. <laughs> please talk to us so we don't just sit here and talk to each other into a microphone on the floor of my bedroom. I mean, it's for our own amusement, but I mean, like, it's it's for your amusement. <laughs> I feel like it's also very apropos that we're going to record dead time stories in a bedroom. Of course. It makes the most sense, right? And we're going to do it in onesies, too. Oh, we should. We're in onesies right now. Sure we are. Wink. All right. Um, that's Stephanie. <laughs> that's Sarah. <laughs> this was Dead Time Stories. Bye. Bye. Boo, bitch. No. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Remy Slackman. 